Welcome to the show. This is Abandoned Building, number one. This is the Abandoned Building. You're in it. By listening to this podcast, by pressing play on your app, you have transformed the space around you into the exact abandoned building where I am performing for you right now. So have a seat or stand up. It's The seating is as you like it. Are you surrounded by friends? Are you surrounded by strangers? Are you in the dark? Are you on stage with me? Whatever you want. That's what's happening right now. Keep in mind that since we are in a <laughs> since we are in an abandoned building, now's a great time to say that the show is happening live, so it's not really going to be edited. I'm going to have some flubs from speaking like a human being, but also there may be noises. You may hear there might be animals in the abandoned building. There might be planes flying overhead. There might be people using the bathroom. There might be your boss talking to you and telling you to take your headphones out and, and come to the meeting where you're about to be fired. I don't wish that for you, but... I've, I've had that experience. They don't usually say it's the meeting where you're about to be fired, but you know, you, you know, anyone who's listening to this show, you know, the benefit of this show, the one aspect of it that is not live is that you can pause and, and, and come back to it after you get fired from work. I'm, I'm here for you. Who am I? I'm Dave. You know me, probably. You probably got to this show. How'd you find out about the show? I ask to folks who come and maybe hang around after. Maybe if there's time before while I'm setting up. And in this case, I'm guessing you're going to say, oh, I follow you on Instagram. I follow you on Twitter. There's a, you know, I have a friend who retweeted this thing. I thought it sounded interesting. I liked I liked the picture on the flyer, the the digital flyer in the Instagram post, in the Facebook, not the Facebook post. Let's be honest. Of all the places that are abandoned buildings, Facebook is the most abandoned ass building of any buildings. But then I've heard people talk recently about they're going to go back to it. They're going to, they're going to try to use it. Is that imaginary? Is that in my head? I hope so. I can't, we need, we need to move forward with with social media. I know I'm 38 years old. I know a lot of people my age and definitely older are are not down with moving forward with social media. Are like, here's where I get off. This is my stop. Instagram. That's that's where I'm done. I'm not taking every exit, you know? Was never a Snapchat guy. Tried to be a TikTok guy. Even even like I haven't used the app in like 6 months. And tried to post a video the other day. And I think karma was just telling me that it wasn't going to happen because the video didn't even upload. I thought it had. And then I reopened the app and it was like uploading, 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 did not upload. So uh, TikTok might not be my exit, but I am down with going forward. So let's leave Facebook in the dust is what I'm saying. But so you maybe listen to this as your afterlife. Maybe you subscribed to Definitive Answers, formerly known as Hella Immaculate, my newsletter. 
maybe you're upset that the newsletter is on hiatus. If you're listening to this, it means you've you've read that the newsletter is is on hiatus. So I just man, I, I have limited resources of energy and I need to spend them on I need to spend them on pretending to perform while in my bedroom. So that's that's what we're doing. But we're not we're not in my bedroom. We're in the abandoned building. Um very really. So so that's that's the name. I also have a have a general preface for the whole this whole project, right? I th- th- I'm hoping to be pretty intimate here. Not expose my whole life. Because what is the impulse to to expose all your deepest, darkest? I, I mean, who is that for, really? Right? That that's a very particular uh, type of osis that that needs to be absolved of things that are difficult, probably interpersonally or within themselves, by just admitting them to an audience and then perhaps not dealing with them in their regular life. It's not charming to call yourself an alcoholic if you're not fucking doing something about it. You know what I mean? That, that, that sort of thing. But I am preparing for something that is, unfortunately, I, I will be more forthcoming when I can. This is not, this is not a, a like stay tuned for more. I mean, I guess it literally is a stay tuned for more, but this is, I, I, I am the something I am preparing for may very well fall completely out from under me. But the 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 location of it, the exact circumstances of it. But I can say that in this abandoned building, however often we meet, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's weekly. Am I doing too much by saying that? Am I immediately setting myself up for failure? I hope not. I hope it's weekly. It's it certainly is not going to be daily. I certainly hope it's more than monthly. It could be an every other week thing. It could be a sporadic thing. This is certainly not a career move, but I'm preparing for my third one man show. That's what this is. A work in progress performance in the abandoned building of me being able to just do stuff that I can't do in, I mean, I could, I'm, I'm not getting studio notes from anyone, but the afterlife podcast is not the place for me to go on rants about how angry I am that people still aren't following COVID restrictions um, or, or talk about type one diabetes or just list ambient albums I bought on Bandcamp recently. This is this is that shit. This is the shit where I don't have to explain anything. And and where hopefully you don't have to explain anything. I've been thinking about this a lot about the way people use the word community because it has become so important to my life, to my sense of politics, you know, the idea of like cancel culture, performativity, Y- y- you know, accountability with your values, all that shit's meaningless unless you have people you trust, people 
smarter and better than you that you want to be accountable to. Honestly, even people dumber and worse than you, that's fine too. Because let's let's be honest, there's always someone smarter, but that also means there's always someone dumber, right? And ain't that a, ain't that a treat? (laughs) Ain't that just, ain't that just swell to know that you're hovering right in the middle of the bell curve, looking down the valley, down into the valley of the dum-dums. The, the, the preface I had that I diverted myself from is that, you know, the last few years I have been reckoning with my whiteness more than, more than I have previously. And that's very vague reckoning with whiteness should not accept anyone who says that and doesn't elaborate as just as if they, you know, someone doing the work, you know, where's the syllabus for the work? Cause we didn't get it. It sounds like, I think you're making it up, but what I've been doing is, is, is reading, reading, starting conversations with people who know more about whiteness than me, often not white people and learning about Irish shit. That is where I'm going with this. You know, whiteness does everyone a disservice, but it is no. Okay. Hold up a second. (laughs) I am going to get things wrong in the abandoned building. And I did not say it, but you maybe heard me about to trip up there. Uh, whiteness does everyone a disservice, including, not especially, including white people, including, because it's not a thing. It's not, no one's born white. We are accultured into that. We are smoothed down from our cultures, you know, and I grew up white, you know, I didn't grow up Irish. I didn't grow up with like, I don't have recipes from, from ancestors that I make. And that's a shame. So I wanted to learn more about Irish stuff and have been learning about some of the, uh, the Celtic holidays, the Celtic spirituality, Celtic gods. And I went to a little Zoom Celtic spirituality meeting and they talked about how Irish people, the way they tell stories it's discursive. It never ends. It starts in one place. It ends up at a different place. You know, at the end of any conversation, it's not an end. There's a million threads hanging. And I found that very comforting as a storyteller, as a narrative, you know, performance, verbal artist, comedian. I found that very comforting. And my preface is just that if you find the abandoned building, confusing if you find this show uh to to all over the place just know that that is me honoring my heritage so if you don't appreciate that that's on you okay i also want to thank anyone who came to that comedy against work event at pilsen community books do you know this? Do you were you were you at that thing? You know the bookstore, Pilsen Community Books, like the radical bookstore. They they made the news for kicking a cop out because she wouldn't take her gun off. 
Recently, they made it was going around Twitter that the FBI has been monitoring them, which is just fucking insane, right? Because all they do is make abortion banners and educate people about things not having to be the way that they are because the way that they are is terrible. And the government wants to take its time and spend money. Like, how does that feel to know that whatever, whatever portion percent, right? But some percent of your taxes went to a federal agent looking into Pilsen community books. Just get a life, you know? So anyway, you know that. You know maybe about Madeline Lane McKinley, the author who wrote uh, you, com- uh, you, you Comedy Against Work, Utopian Longing in Dystopian Times. You know that? She she was on my the Afterlife podcast, and we've stayed in touch, and, and it was both of our first book events. She asked me to to talk with her for, for the crowd. And it was the first time she had done that the beginning of a little tour. And she was in town for a, like a comparative literature conference. So there were a bunch of academic types and apparently it went well. I, I, like I said, I've never done one of those before. I've been to a couple and I know that that the way I tend to run a show is, is more lively than those. So I was confident, but apparently it went really well. And it, it, it reminds me, one of the things that I learned over the pandemic, okay? Maybe I've, maybe I've said this on one of the other solo episodes of, uh, of This Is Your Afterlife, but if not, is that I I've, I had, I spent a lot of years thinking. I, I, obviously, I've I've never made a full time living from comedy, from anything related to comedy. I've been able to, with unemployment in the pandemic, you know, not have to do other things for various periods of time. I've made some money. I've done things that I'm proud of, but the point being, I'm certainly not made it. And as a result of that, I kind of thought I was like, I, I guess that my skills, I mean, it's, it's inarguable that my skills are not valued, right? Like the, the, these society does not value these things. And then the pandemic happened and everyone was running zoom meetings. And it turned out the shit that I know how to do is actually super, super fucking valuable. Like I, I, I helped to run a show. I try to be vague about it, but but it, it was it was a variety show, and there were there was it was on Zoom, and it was there was a running order, and there were various sort of topics of um, of each act, right? Some lighter and some heavier. And one of the acts was talking about a a story of childhood sexual abuse. And that is how they closed this show. So here's an example of a skill. I thought, I, I thought it was common sense that you don't close on childhood sexual abuse, right? Apparently that was, that was not a common thing. It, it made me realize like, hey, I've been developing a skill set after all. It, even, even if the skill set is just 
Oh, um, yeah, put childhood sexual abuse um, r- right before or right after the intermission. That's I, I, that's what I've determined is the right the right place for that. The other things I get to do here with you, I get to be angry. I I, I referenced it earlier, but I I need it. I need a space to be angry. I promise not to yell at you. You know what I. I promise not to yell at you and I promise not to blow out your eardrums. Okay. But I don't promise not to yell. I'll, I'll yell with you in front of you. Maybe I'm just, I just, I look at every single day, either online or out in the world. I get some reminder that there are people who don't have to think about the shit that I have to think about. And not just because I'm type one diabetic, not just because I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I guess technically, you know, immunocompromised, not just cause I'm fat and I've got, I've got, uh, you know, comorbidities that, that actually reminds me that I, there's, there's something I want to write down in my notes about, uh, about uh the the the, the the time that that covid hit our our house i did not get it but it's something i want to talk about in a future show so there's there's reason for you to for you to come back i have some some fun, some fun thoughts about uh how to survive covid cuz cuz we have so far if you're listening to this if you're listening to this and haven't survived COVID, I mean, this is dark, I recognize, but that means that it means that I'm not talking to you uh, directly right now. It means I'm talking to some future version of you. It means you will have heard this and then gotten COVID and then not survived. Huh, okay, fun, fun stuff. Glad, glad I, glad I parsed that out. Really, as a performer, it's nice to you, you know you're very aware of the audience, aware things are going, aware, you know, fo- following different thoughts down the rabbit hole. And at certain points, you get down there and realize it is not a rabbit hole; it is an outhouse, and you're standing in shit, and you should never have gone down this hole. And that was, that was that survive COVID hole. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out because I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time in my early comedy days. I would say I'm in my middle comedy days. Hopefully hopefully my early middle comedy days, 38, that should be early middle, right? I should, I should, I mean, it's, it's tough if the thing isn't providing your living, no one's dependent on me continuing to do this, but I hope to keep doing it for, for a long time. So in my early comedy days, I was an angry guy. I, I would, I would interrupt. I, I, I interrupted a few improv shows to snap at audiences. Occasionally I, what else, what else did I do? I, I, I sulked, and honestly, I yelled at teammates. I mean, what? 
I was, I, I was not, I, I don't want to paint this as the, as, as the dominant way that I was, but let's say that I did this like 5% of the time in my behavior, which d- to be clear, I'm trying not to minimize it, but 5% is, is that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of time. That's enough for you to say like, that guy's a little edgy and a little live wire. It doesn't, doesn't mean that, that I'm a bad person. Certainly not now when I've changed everything and, 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 a, you know, perfectly evolved man and ally, but I ooh, see. Okay. Really quick. I know that I'm going to be tempted to do that. I know that I'm going to be tempted to laugh at myself here to let you know that I'm joking, man, please know. I don't, I don't want you to default to thinking I'm joking here. Cause I, I do want to be honest about stuff, but just know that if I sound too serious to be true, it's probably that your, your sense is probably right. Okay. I don't think that I'm, I don't think, I don't think I'm a perfect male ally. Okay. Jeez. Give it, give it a rest. You know? So what was I saying about being 5% trash, right? 5% trash is more than someone who didn't blow up at, at their teammates, their improv teammates at any time, right? So that's, that's the point. The point being, I was an angry guy and I didn't channel it. And then when I transitioned into standup, I, 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 it makes you misread audiences because you, you think that you're you're projecting your anger onto people and, and you're, you're do, making the mistake of lecturing the people who are there because you're insecure about the people who aren't all, all sorts of stuff. The point being right now, I am genuinely fucking angry about the feeling of being marginalized by society. And I recognize that it's a feeling that other people have been having my whole fucking life. And now I'm finally tuned into it. So in some ways I'm grateful for that commonality, that, that solidarity with people, but I'm fucking angry, man. And, and, and I'm sad. I'm like, here's the, the closest I've gotten to peace around this anger because you see people just fucking crammed into a restaurant, right? Or you, or you see pictures of people at a party, at a packed party, no masks, right? And I recently got a little a little portable air purifier. So now I'm occasionally when I'm taking a mask off at like a spacious coffee shop indoors with the air purifier, I want people to know like listen, this is I, I, I am taking some precautions, you know, but I'm not seeing air purifiers in these pictures. Okay. The point is you see individual people fucking up, not taking COVID precautions. And I know that it's not any, at least any of the individual people I know, it's not any of their faults. It's system stuff. It's, it's, it's mask mandates. It's, which is why Pilsen Community Books is fucking amazing because they still require masks and they just set surgical masks right at the door for you to put on. And that's 
tight. I mean, surgical masks aren't the best kind of mask, but that's fine. You know, there, there are levels of precautions we're able to do. And in the absence of a mask mandate, in the absence of handing out high quality masks to people, this is the thing. When people say shit should be free, it should. Masks should be free. Medicine should be free. Because where does the money come from? It comes from you. It comes from you, rich person who's wondering where the money's coming from. It's coming from you cutting out you. Sorry, you don't get more than one home or we don't get more than two homes. Okay. How many vehicles you have? Do any of those float on water? Maybe share. You get one to share with like 10 other families. And that's where the money comes from. Because we got money in the fucking pandemic. How do people not remember? Remember when people were like, oh, they're just going to cut us checks. Remember how they just cut us checks? That shit was crazy. So the the thing that I've realized, the piece that I've come to around my anger with individuals not taking COVID precautions is that I will resent them. I can't help it. I, I, my feelings are my feelings. I know it's wrong, but I am going to resent those people. I just won't say it. Yeah, I mean, I realize the irony of me saying that into the microphone now, but I won't say it to them for sure. I won't say it to everyone. I'll say it to you. I'll say it to my loved ones, but I won't focus on it. You know what I mean? And that's the way, that's the closest I've gotten to to evolution as a person is, um, is, is holding on to resentment, but not sharing it with people. I, uh, I, I also want to talk about things I love in this space. And there's a lot of shit that I love. There's all, there's a lot of shit that I love. And, and I want to talk about those things, but I'm, I'm, I'm nearing the end of, of where I, where I want to leave you. And we spent so much good time talking about buildings and Irish heritage and, and work and, uh, anger work. Did we talk about work? We, could, we talked about maybe you getting fired. You're not going to get fired. You, you might get fired. Honestly, probably not. I get, I could tell you stories that I don't want to tell that you, that you, you're not going to get fired. Okay. If anybody's getting fired, I'm getting fired. Just, just take, take it from me. My, my resume would have you believe that I am getting fired. <laughs> my, the, the track record is strong in that direction. So here's what I, here's what I want to end with. I've been, been really fucking with this book by this guy, W a Matthew, Matthew, M a T H I E U. How would you, how do you pronounce that? It's called the listening book, discovering your own music. And I got a really cool copy from the library and I loved it so much immediately that I ordered it on thrift books, that website. 
that, that the, the used book website and the cover is kind of trash. So it makes me think the book is, is who doesn't judge a book by its cover, right? What, what we're just supposed to imagine they're all just stapled pages together. Give me a cover. There's some books I'll take just the, this, the cover. I don't even need the book. Anyway, the listening book is just fucking dope, man. And I'll, 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 I'll read to you why. Okay. So it's just these little essays about sound hearing, I think eventually music, but it's not even that, that these are almost like meditations. The ones that I've heard so far. And this is one that I, that I really like. And, uh, I think it'll be a good place to, to end the show. It's called listening to animals. Here we go. Dogs from hell are barking outside. I'm in a Balinese village. It's the middle of the night and there's nothing to do about them. They bark curses into the black sky. I roll over and concentrate on my breathing. That doesn't work. I'm wide awake with anger, resisting these demon gods, the protectors of wakefulness. Eyes protruding, they javelin barbed thoughts directly into my brain. Gradually, this idea of an active demon force becomes interesting. Why clench up on reality? I decide to change my tactics and actually listen. There are three dogs roaming in the near distance. Waves of others are banked back in terraced collections. As I enter the canine world, I begin to hear its plain nature. The animals are at the same time frightened and protective. The near three are a clique, conversing among themselves and also as a unit to other cliques. It is entirely a population of concerned citizens. I become aware of their reactions and of what they are reacting to. I remember my watchdog at home. Over the years, I've learned to read his barks. One combination is for cars in the driveway, one for intruding animals, another for hunger, another for cold. I can sometimes identify the person arriving or the kind of animal by the quality of the bark. Tonight, I am far from home, in strange fields. But in these new voices, I can read unseen nocturnal messages, odors on the wind, human and otherwise, disturbances in the insect pattern, the single footfall that doesn't fit the expectation, the need for reassurance. Turf is taken through a puff of the lungs and a scrape of the larynx. Short barks are words clustered in staccato sentences. Howls are poems careening over the airwaves. Absorbed and hypnotized, I eventually fall asleep listening to late-night dog radio. Once, I was feeling sorry for a lion in the zoo. I was also getting a big charge from examining him up close. As he paced ten feet away, I sketched the outline of his terrifying shape intimately in my eye, storing up his ferocity for later. Sorry, I thought that, I thought that was said staring. Okay. So, okay, let's, re let's redo that sentence. As he paced 10 feet away, I sketched the outline of his terrifying shape intimately in my eye, storing up his ferocity for later. The lion stopped and stared me down. I gazed bravely in return. He growled suddenly, not stupefyingly, 
just a mezzo forte, this is who I am growl. Because I was already entranced, my ears were open, and I heard the sound as if he had drawn in splendid detail the dimensions of his insides. I saw the ribcage and the hollow volumes of all the cavities, the lungs and the gut and the bowels, red in the dark, all posed for the portrait. This is a sound picture of my body, said the lion, a transmission of my being into yours. Believe it. He was turned inside out as simply and completely as a pair of trousers. I have a cat who talks. She is 18 years old, arthritic and half-blind, but her large vocabulary of pleas and purrs come in rapid cadence, especially when you alternate yours with hers. In my pre-lion days, I would think up amusing English analogs for her words. Now, I hear her body turned inside out. No need for English. The communication is direct and complete. You can become your cat when you listen deeply to her voice. With a little courage, you can be the lion. You can even be the dogs from hell, busy delineating the boundary between their collective insides and the reality of midnight. When you understand the language, you are rooster, pig, and goat. Part of you leaps to life for a moment's appreciation of purr, yowl, crow, squeal, or bleat. That sound is the bridge that leads you out of your skin and out of your cage. Isn't that fucking tight? That's so good, right? So that's the listening book. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll revisit that in future shows. But this, this is the abandoned building, and, and now it's time to file out. Or, or stick around. That's, that's the other thing about this show that's not live, is you can run it right back and play it over again on repeat until you actually get fired.